Hey, good morning. Everybody here in our physical location, everyone who's watching as part of our online community, shout out to Rach, who's feeling a little under the weather today. I love you, babe. I'm so sorry you're not here with us. Man, I'm excited to be back together. New year, new plant. Some of y'all, that's all you notice. That's all you notice. So what are we doing around here, yo? No, but I'm excited. I hope you had a great holiday. Got to spend time with some family or some loved ones. You know, one of the highlights uh, for us over the holidays is I love to take out photos. I'm a big into photography and my kids are 13, 16, and 18 and they hate taking pictures today. But Rach and I always like, we're making memories. And they're like, we don't care, get out of my face. And, uh, but I love to go back and, you know, while we were off over break, I, I have this box, it's just miscellaneous photos. And, and I love sometimes to take those out and I started to sort them over our Christmas break. And there was a photo in there that I had never seen before. See, my, my second home growing up was at my Aunt Jan's house. If you know my Aunt Jan, you know her, you love her. And uh, I would always spend so much time over there. And there was a picture that was me in her backyard. And I love spending time in her backyard. It, it was kind of reminded me of the Garden of Eden. Like it was beautiful. It was lush. Sometimes there was sin. Sometimes there was nakedness in that backyard, yo. Just gonna keep it real with you. And you know, I, I was looking at that and it took me right back. Some of my greatest memories are in Aunt Jan's backyard. See, we would so often take out the hose and, and my uncle would allow us to, to spray and water the, the flowers. And as you know, we sprayed and watered more of each one of us than we actually did the flowers that we were supposed to. And you know, one, one year it fell during the Seoul Olympics. You know how old I am. Some of y'all weren't even born in 88, yo. And uh, we had our own Olympics in the backyard. Jessica, my cousin who's on staff with us, invariably, that girl just cried for the first eight years of her life. So when she lost the competition, I remember being in that backyard and just her crying, yo. She's grown up a little bit since then. But I think one of our favorite memories was we would play hide and seek in that backyard. I have so many great memories of our, all the cousins together, all the neighborhood kids, we were out there together. And I got to a certain age where I'm the oldest cousin that, that I had a harder time hiding. And so often I was the seeker. I said, you guys go ahead and hide and I'll count down and I'll come try to find you. And so invariably every single time when I would finish counting, I'd open my eyes, I'd start walking around the backyard and I'd be looking for wherever everybody was hiding, the, the same places that they tended to go to. And I would get a little frustrated because I couldn't find them. And then I learned a little trick. I learned the trick of you just stopped and you listened. Because what happens, invariably, somebody's legs get tired and they move and they step on a twig and you instantly know where they are. Or sometimes Jessica's sister, Kelly, she would start to giggle. And all you would need to do was listen, and then I'm gonna follow the giggle, and I found exactly right where she was. And see, as I looked at that photo just over the last couple of weeks, I think it's exactly how God asked us to pursue him. See, pursue is our word of the year here at Riverside. We wanna go after God like never before. We wanna pursue Jesus. 
See, over the course of the next three weeks, I wanna just unpack what do we mean by pursuing Jesus like no other? I wanna give you a working definition. If you're taking notes today, what do I mean by pursuing? Pursue is the act of seeking completely, listening constantly, and proceeding confidently. Over the next three weeks, we're gonna unpack each of those steps over and over again. See, when we seek completely, it's why we gave you a, a devotional, a pursue devotional that I pray that you've been doing for the last six or seven days. Why, that's a, a resource to help you seek God like never before at the start of this year. We have a few that are still available at the resource wall in the lobby. You can download your copy, riversidepeoria.com slash 21 days. See, but then what do we do? We, we listen. We listen for what God wants to speak to us. God speaks to us through prayer. God speaks to us through his word. And then we have to proceed confidently. Proceed confidently. We're obedient moving forward. See, each and, of, each and every one of us has a choice. We can hear from God, but then we have a decision. Am I going to listen to God? See, it's one thing to hear from God. It's another thing to be obedient to God. And see, today in this first week of this three-week series that I'm honored to preach the entirety of, today I wanna preach to you and give you three practical ways in how we seek the Lord. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down the first one. First way that we do it is we sacrifice. We sacrifice. In the Old Testament, people would come to the tabernacle and they would sacrifice bulls, birds, rams, uh, goats, sheep, and what they would do is they would bring a male with no defect and they would, they would kill it right there at the entrance to the tabernacle. The blood would be drained and the priest would then take the blood and, and would sprinkle it all over the altar. The animal would then be skinned, cut into pieces, and, and the animal would now burn on the altar all night long. Can I tell you, when I read the Old Testament, I'm so grateful that we don't have to go through all that anymore, yo. I have such an appreciation of when Jesus came on the scene. He wiped all that away. See, for us today, it's not the, the sacrifice of an animal, but for so many of us, it's the sacrifice of our schedule. See, when you wanna truly pursue Jesus, you have to sacrifice your time, your plans, your sleep, See, and some of us, we would never oversleep and, and not go into work and not show up to our job because we gotta make money, we gotta provide for our family, but we wouldn't think twice about not showing up for God. See, none of us have a problem with setting that early alarm to go to the gym for that morning workout, but we have no problem of sleeping in on God, not making time for him. See, my prayer for our church family is that we would be as intentional with our spiritual health this year as we are our financial health. We would be as, as intentional with growing our spiritual walk with Jesus as we do growing our, our muscles, growing our physical body. See, how do we do that? That comes from a place of, of sacrificing. See, we follow the model of Jesus. See, in Luke chapter three, as you read it, Luke one and two talks about the familiar Christmas story. In, in Luke chapter three, we see Jesus baptized, it's a beautiful story. Jesus, as he gets baptized by John the Baptist, here at Riverside, we believe in the Trinity, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those rare passages in scripture where you actually see the Trinity all at work together. God the Son is getting baptized, 
God the Father calls down from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we see God the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. It's a beautiful passage of scripture in Luke chapter three until you get to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, listen to what it says, starting in verse one. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and he became very hungry. What do we see here? Is that Jesus is baptized. Luke 3 then goes on to tell us that Jesus is launched into his ministry around the age of 30. And immediately as he's launched into ministry, he gets tempted. The devil attacks him. Can I remind some people in this room today, don't be surprised in this new year if your greatest triumphs are followed immediately by your greatest trials. Because the enemy loves nothing more than to try to take you out. Rachel and I have this great honor of facilitating a class on Wednesday night, and as we sat down with couples, and I said to them, hey, as you are starting to put your relationship with one another first, your relationship with Jesus, don't be surprised if in the coming days, the enemy tries to sow division between you and your significant other. See, because the enemy gets ticked when you try to invest in things that are of God. Last week, Pastor John preached an amazing message on New Year's Eve. Altars were full. We surrendered everything as we stepped into a brand new year. But I guarantee you that there were some of you that were up here that have had a hellacious first week of 2024. Because you knew that you were stepping out into the promises of God and the enemy's gonna do anything he can to take you out. Two weeks ago, an incredible baptism Sunday on Christmas Eve. But I know from the people, 40 plus people that got baptized, the last two weeks have been really, really difficult. Because anytime you start to be marked out for Jesus, anytime that you start to move in the direction that Jesus has for you, the enemy, Satan, will ramp up his temptation, will ramp up his attacks against each and every one of us. See, what do we see in the passage is that Jesus was tempted, and so Jesus also fasted. He was tempted, and he fasted. See, what, what is fasting? We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're on day seven, yo. How y'all doing? Okay, three of us are good, yo. It's tough, I'm telling you, fasting. See, when we fast, it's denying our flesh and depending on God. When we fast, it's denying our flesh and depending on God. It's sacrificing anything that gets our time and our affection other than God. It's been incredible to hear. Some of you said to me, Michael, I'm I'm fasting TV. You find yourself laying on the couch after work and and you're just there for the rest of the the night and you're like, I'm giving up TV for 21 days. Other people are are giving up social media. Uh, This year, I kind of had an unusual fast. I'm in the midst of it right now. I felt like the Lord was telling me I gotta give up caffeine and I gotta give up sugar. Okay, thank you. Feel my pain, yo. (laughs) And that may sound like a, a, a kind of a silly maybe fast to you, but what I found over the last couple of months especially that I have really long days in a lot of times. And, and when I feel that in the afternoon, I start to get tired. The early evening comes along and I have meetings or, or things I have to go to or people that, that I get to sit down with. What I found myself doing is I go grab a cup of coffee. 
Uh, give me a can of soda. Hey, somebody, will you bring me one of those charged lemonades? I'm not gonna say where they're from. They're killing people right now, yo. You know where I'm talking about. Rachel's like, please don't drink those anymore. I'm like, I'm good. But see, when I, I need a little boost at night, I, I, I'll grab a, a handful of M&Ms. I'll eat a, a box of Sour Patch Kids. And the Lord put it on my heart one day, Michael, you are looking for all these external things rather than relying on your internal relationship with me. Change. And so I knew what God was telling me to do. And, and I don't know for some of you, giving up TV for the last seven days, maybe it's been really, really hard because you've come home and you just reach for that remote control. And Michael, what do I do? I told somebody just the other day, I said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to get that remote and I want you to drive it over to your mom's house and leave it at your mom's house. And he absolutely did it. He's like, I need that. I do not have the self-control and the willpower not to pick it up. And it's at his mom's house. And his mom's like, don't you call me back up. I'm not bringing it to you. You're not picking up. You are not invited at my house for the next 21 days. <laughs> Maybe for some of you, I don't know about you, but when you start to fast social media, um, you, you just naturally pick up your phone and you wanna go back to those apps. And I remember, I often heard people say, you know, just delete the apps and then when you get there, you can't do anything. I'm not that dumb. I'll delete the app and then I'll go just re-download it. I'm not that stupid. If I wanna get, if I wanna see what y'all are doing, I'm gonna get that hit of dopamine. I'm just gonna re-download it. See, for some of you, what you need to do, because you're just like, don't judge me. Some of y'all are just like me. Some of you need to go to your spouse, a best friend, a trusted acquaintance and say to them, hey, will you change the password on my social media platforms, my social media account. Don't give it to me, don't forget it. Because <laughs> on the 21st, I'm gonna need it to log back in. Yo, I'm preaching from example, because remember I told you about my son, four weeks ago, he jumped into a hot tub with his phone. We bought him a new phone, we're upgrading, we're doing all the things, we're logging into the new phone. I was like, what's your password? He's like, dad, I don't. We've been in four weeks of Apple tech support. Hell, yo. I'm in the Verizon store speaking in tongues, trying to get through to him. Calling down the fire of God. We finally figured it out. Yet if you tell somebody to change your password, have them write it down. And don't put it in their phone because their phone could go in a hot tub, yo. See, I, I think for me, it's, it hasn't been... A cakewalk this week trying to get off caffeine and sugar because it seems like every single restaurant in America is launching new products in the first week of 2024. The number of restaurant emails I've had to unsubscribe from this week, get thee behind me, Wendy's. Need to know what you got going on there. I'll see you again on the 21st after church. I'll be back, bro, with the new flavor of Frosty. See, some of you are like, Michael, I don't know why you're going on about this. Man, fasting, fasting is easy. This week has been easy. Dare I say, if you think fasting is easy, you fasted the wrong thing. <laughs> You gave up something that is not something that you truly struggle with. You gave up something that's really easy to overcome. See, fasting isn't painless, but it is powerful. 
Oh, fasting isn't painless, but it, it is powerful. Fasting changes things. You go back to the Old Testament. The Israelites are getting ready to go into battle. We read it in Judges. If you read the Old Testament book of Judges, 21, 22 chapters, the Israelites are a hot mess express in the book of Judges. They start to move into battle. And what we see happen on the very first day, they lose 18,000 people. And the very next day, they lose an additional 22,000 experienced soldiers. We see that in two days, 10% of the Israelite army is wiped out. What do they do? Where are we? We're stuck. We have no place to go. You pick up in the story, Judges chapter 20, verse 26 through 27. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel, and they wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. See, the first thing that they did is they wept. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's all right to cry. When we go through hard things, when we go through difficulties, I think we've, some of us have grown up in, in a home where you gotta man up. Don't show your tears. Don't show your emotions. Dare I say, it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to get those things out, to, to talk through them. But when you continue to read on, what did they do after that? It said they fasted, they sacrificed, and they sought direction from God. They moved from a place of sorrow to a place of safety. See, they move from a place of being overwhelmed to then they move to a place of safety in God. And when you read the, the rest of the text, two verses later, God speaks to the Israelites and he says, look, I will give you victory over them tomorrow. See, their victory was found in seeking God. Their victory was found in sacrificing everything. Their victory was found in seeking direction from God. See, as you step into this brand new year, you need to know that divine direction comes from disciplined decrease. Oh, you need to hear that again. Divine direction for your life comes from disciplined decrease. It comes from a time of fasting. It comes from a posture of saying, God, less of me, more of you. It comes from a place of, what did Jesus say? Not your will, God. Not my will, God, but your will be done. And he sacrificed everything. What if we got to the place of we sacrifice everything before our Lord as we step into a brand new year? See, as we seek God completely in 2024, it starts with, starts with sacrificing, but the second thing we do is, is we sit, is we sit. You know, last year in 2023, I sat a lot. I, I read, uh, last year, I read 135 books. Hey, thank you so much, thank you. Thank you, treasures in heaven, yo. Um, and, and people ask me all the time, like, how did you go through so many books in, in, in one year? I, I love my boy Austin C.I. We were at Connect Group one night, and, and I had just on that Friday afternoon, I posted like my 67th book, and he comes up to me, he's like, I haven't read 67 books in my entire life, bro. How did you do it? And, and I think last year I set a goal for myself. 
I, I found myself, the only books I was really reading was in preparation for messages and, and to sit down with people. And I, I just set a goal to read more for entertainment, read more for pleasure. And what I started to do is I, I took a book everywhere I went. So if I, I showed up early for the dentist, I, I could knock out a, a couple pages. Or if I went out to lunch with somebody and they weren't there yet, I could, I could read a, a little bit more. Last year, I started to cut out TV. I don't watch a ton of TV anymore. We watch a lot of basketball in our house. And really, that's about it. And what started to happen is I started to fall back in love with reading like never before. I was obsessed with it. I couldn't wait to get a, a new book. I, you don't wanna know how much I spent on Amazon last year, yo. We're not even gonna look at it. We're not. We're just gonna leave, let it be. But I, I think about the same thing for those of us that when we sit with God and spending time in God's word, Michael, how do I, how do, I do that? I, I think for some of you, you need to make it a goal. I need to make a goal to be in God's word even more this year, don't make it, listen, if you're new to reading the Bible, dare I say, don't make it a goal to read through the entire Bible this year. That's a big lofty goal that I, I guarantee at some point you will get frustrated and you'll stop and you'll wanna walk away from it. But maybe if you're new, maybe your goal this year is I wanna read through the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I wanna read uh, about Jesus's time on earth. Or maybe you've heard about the Psalms and you've never had the opportunity to read through all the entirety of the Psalms. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're, you're gonna set a goal Monday through Friday. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time getting up early. Maybe for some of you, you need to do like I did and you take your Bible with you everywhere you go. And when you, when you go out for coffee with somebody and they're running a little bit late, rather than getting on our phones and just scrolling mindlessly, what if we took out our Bibles and just we read a chapter of scripture? I guarantee you, it'll make you feel better, a chapter of scripture, rather than getting on Twitter for a long time. You see, maybe for some of us, we need to set new priorities. Maybe for some of us, we need to turn off the TV a, a little bit more and we need to open our Bible a little bit more. I guarantee you, if you are intentional about your time in God's word, you will start to fall in love with scripture like never before. I guarantee you. Can I give you another little tip? I, I encourage every single person to have a physical Bible. Physical Bible, I'm, I'm so grateful for technology. I'm so grateful that we have uh, the YouVersion app and other apps uh, that we can read the Bible on, on our phone. But I encourage everybody to have a physical Bible. If you don't have one, we have them at the resource wall. We'll give you one for free today. Why? Because, can I be honest with you? Just last week, I was, I was reading uh, some scripture on my phone and immediately I was about 32 seconds into it and Rach texted me. And what did I do? I can't let it go. I can't let the text go because if you look at my phone, uh, I don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't love any of that kind of stuff. Pastor Dana is the worst. We played a game uh, about a year or so ago and it was like, who has the most unread emails uh, on your phone? She had like 20,000 emails. I wanted to throw up right there. See, and as I, 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 as I saw Rachel's text and she asked me a question, now I'm reading her text and now I'm trying to find out the information that she needed. And then that information made me think, oh, it's somebody's birthday. I gotta go on Facebook and wish somebody happy birthday. Oh my gosh, wonder what kind of cake they're having today. I can't eat cake because I'm fascinated, but I hope they have it. And before I knew it, I was so distracted from God's word. See, distraction is deadly. If the devil can distract you, what do I say? The devil can destroy you. See, it's why each and every one of us need to have a physical Bible to sit with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. 
See, growing up, I heard a lot of preachers say, yeah, get into God's word because the Bible comforts you. Oh, the Bible comforts you. And, and to be honest with you, fully transparent, as an, adolescence, as an adolescent, I never experienced that. I, I would read the Bible and it wasn't comforting me and can I tell you what I, I think I'd fallen into, which maybe some of you in this space today have fallen into? We read the Bible and we see it more as a requirement than a relationship. You see more of it as something you have to do rather than an opportunity for the Lord to speak to you. See, I, I never really understood about how God's word could comfort me until I was about 19 years old. I've been really open with my story. I've been really transparent with my journey through mental health. At 19 years old, um, life just fell apart. I was two years outside of college and uh, two years outside of high school and everything had just fallen apart in rapid succession. I, I took every dime that I had in my savings account. I bought a one-way ticket to the UK. I spent months upon months upon months with my, my great-grandfather who lived over there at the time thinking that that was gonna be the shift. Something was gonna shift. And dare I say that those months, I just fell deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. There was, there was one night where I went to see a movie and as I, I got into the movie theater, I sat in the balcony, it looked like a smaller version here of Riverside and there wasn't a single person in that theater except for me and it was such a snapshot of what my life looked like in that moment. I felt like I was all alone, nobody cared for me, nobody would, would care if I, if I wasn't even around anymore and I went back to see my grandfather at the apartment that he was living at at that time. I said my goodbyes to him, I went to my bedroom, I wrote separate letters to my mom and to my dad and I had everything ready to go to take my own life that very single night. And that night, as I got into bed, a bottle of pills sitting on my nightstand, I saw my Bible. And, and my Bible was just sitting there. My Bible had been so dusty. I had every good intention for the next few months. I was going to read. I was going to get into God's Word every single day. But it sat there night after night, day after day. And, and I remember crying out to God, God, if you are real. God, if you are truly the God of comfort, the God of love, I'm going to give you one more chance. And I picked up my Bible. I was such an immature Christian. And I took it and I fanned the pages. And I said, wherever my finger stops, wherever I land, you better be speaking to me right in that moment. And it landed in Psalm chapter 118. Psalm chapter 118, verse 17, is not a verse that you ever memorize in Riverside Kids at VBS. It's not a verse that gets preached from platforms very often. But Psalm 118, 17, it changed the trajectory of my life. When we talk about God's word comforting me in that moment, Psalm 118, 17 became my life verse. I kid you not. My finger landed on a verse that says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. You talk about the Lord comforting you. That's that's what God's word does. It took me almost 20 years to grow up, to mature in the faith, to draw closer to Jesus, to see the value of God's word. But can I tell you, as somebody who has experienced it over and over and over again, God's word comforts me and God's word can comfort you. That's why I spend every single day 
in my Bible. It's no longer a requirement, it's a relationship. God speaks to me through his word. God speaks in every single situation. See, you're new here. You've never read God's word before. Michael, I don't even know. Where do I find verses? What does that look like? Can I tell you, make Google your best friend. You deal with anxiety, Google. Bible verses about anxiety. You need to find joy back in your life. Bible verses about restoring joy. It will come out with verses to help you as you step into this brand new year pursuing God like never before. See, I think it's the easiest time in the world to be surrounded by God's word. Can I tell you one of the greatest joys of the last week is I got, uh, I got attached to, it's a podcast uh, that just started on January 1. One of my, I think one of the greatest uh, Christian speakers of this generation is a, is a young lady called Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie Hill Perry has an incredible story about what God has done in her life, an incredible teacher of the gospel. But what started happening uh, on January 1st is she launched a podcast that says, Through the Bible in One Year with Jackie Hill Perry. And every single day, she reads to you portions of scripture. I, 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 so even if you're somebody like, I, I'm not a good reader, I get bored spending time in God's word. Can I tell you, go, I don't get any money from this. I don't get a cut. Like, go download. I, I'm telling you, it's about 10 to 13 minutes every single day. Sometimes I listen to it in the morning. Sometimes I listen to it in the car. Sometimes I listen to it while I'm doing the laundry. Every single day, there's a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of Psalms, and a little bit of New Testament. Through the Bible in one year with Jackie Hill Perry. I think it's phenomenal. I love it so, so much. And see, as we go through that, you need to know that God's word is one of those things where in my life that sometimes God, God's word gives me immediate peace. Have you ever read God's word and immediately you feel better about your situation? When you read God's word, there's something in, in, in that scripture and I get immediate peace in the midst of what I'm walking through right now. Sometimes God's word will give you immediate peace and other times God's word is intentional preparation. Sometimes God's word is intentional preparation. Sometimes you might be reading something and say, I don't know, what am I gonna get out of that? That has nothing to do with my life right now, but you continue to read the story of Jesus. In Luke chapter four, you pick it back up and in verse three, and what does it says? Then the devil said to him, Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must not worship the Lord your God. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. See, Jesus knew the scriptures and the scriptures were the preparation for the temptation. The scriptures were the preparation for the temptation. See, you need to know God's word. I think so many times, I said it a couple weeks ago, we're a generation and we're actually biblically illiterate. 
We don't know God's word. We don't spend time in God's word. And so what starts to happen? Can I be really real with you? As some of you pastors this church who spent a lot of time growing up in Christian school, doing all the right things, there are times where I will come into a, a, a moment of worry. And if I am not careful, I will let my feelings and my emotions dictate my path. I will worry and, and, and I don't have time to start looking up in God's word. Uh, God, what do you say about worry? Because for me, I just go off on a tangent. I start to think about the worst that could happen to my family. How am I gonna pay for that? Oh my gosh, how are we gonna deal with that within our church family? I, I worry about things. I think some of us, we go and we're sitting in the, the nail salon, the nail spa with people and some name comes up and we're tempted to just gossip about that person. Oh, Christine, let me tell you about Christine. And, and there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And when we're sitting in the nail spa, we don't then, okay, let me see, what does God say about gossiping? I don't have time to pull up my Bible and look for it then. Can I be real with us? We're in relationships right now and we know that, that sex is, is designed for marriage. But now, hey, with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, and we're naked and we really want to get, get down right now. Hey, would you mind right now, Geraldine, if I read some scripture to us? <laughs> you stand there in your birthday suit. Let me... Let me look and see, what does Jesus say about this? Y'all are stupid. No. Why do we spend, some of y'all are so offended, shut up. Why do we spend time in God's word? Because it's the preparation for the temptation. We have to sit and saturate. We sit in God's presence and we saturate in his word. We're able to read over and over and over again. See, some of you launched into 2024 with, with a big goal of reading all this scripture. Can I tell you? Great. But can I tell you, for me, sometimes I just meditate on a handful of verses. It's not about knocking out two, three, four, five chapters a day. I have learned that sometimes I just need to sit and saturate and meditate on God's word. And sometimes it's not just one or two days. Can I tell you, there are weeks where I just come back to the same four or five scriptures over and over and over again. Why is God putting those things on my heart? Because it's preparation. He knows I'm gonna be sitting down with somebody and, and that word is gonna be encouraging in that moment. The Lord knows I'm gonna be in a, a moment of temptation down the road and I gotta remember what God's word says about it so I don't fall for the lies of the enemy, so I don't fall for the temptation. See, we have to sit and saturate in God's word. See, you have to get in God's word so God's word can get into you. Got to get into God's word so God's word can get into you. Why? Because you continue to read the text. The temptation of Jesus. Jesus refutes it three times with scripture. Jesus knew the word. But you go to verse 13 and it says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He left him until the next opportunity for Jesus to be tempted came. Oh, see, you need to know that when the devil tempts us, it's not a one and done. 
It's not he does it once and then, and then he's like, oh, I can move on. No, he comes again and again and again. See, I love, this season is really, really hard. I hate the winter, yo. I know we're getting some snow, they're telling me. Uh, shut up. Um, I love snow. I don't love the cold. It's not my favorite. I love the summer. I love me some summer, yo. I love to be outside in the summer with an ice cold lemonade in the summer. And every time I sit outside though, I'm good for a while. I got a, I got a book out there and I don't know if your backyard is like mine, but there'll be like an annoying fly that just keeps coming. You sit out there and you're like, I'm relaxed. I'm getting away from the kids. I'm getting away from Rach for five minutes. Shut up. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there reading. I'm just sitting there relaxing, getting some sun. And, and there's always that one fly that just keeps pestering. And you just keep swatting it and it just keeps coming back. You try to kill it. I got terrible reflexes. I haven't ever killed. I, I want to be like Karate Kid, like Mr. Mia. I want to be that. I've never been able to do that. And that fly just keeps coming back. And see, I think about that because that's how the devil is in, in, in my life. See, the, the devil, it's, not just, an, it's an, not just an isolated incident. The, the devil will keep coming back temptation after temptation after temptation over and over again. And you've got to know what God's word says so you can refute the lies of the enemy, so you can push back against the temptation. Because, see, the thing that I find is that the more you pursue Jesus, the more you become more like Jesus, the more it irritates the devil the more he will keep coming back over and over and over. Can I tell you, men and women of God, the greater the righteousness, the greater the temptation. The greater the righteousness, the greater you become more and more like Jesus, the more that it ticks off the enemy because he sees how you can be used for the kingdom of God and he will do everything he can to take you out. It's what we talked about two weeks ago. It's justification. When I give my heart and life to Jesus in that moment, it's a moment of justification, but then it moves on to a process of sanctification. Sanctification is when I become more and more like Jesus. I sit with him. I sacrifice everything to him. And it ticks the devil off. See, I pray that we're men and women of God this year. That we sit, we saturate, that we pursue righteousness like never before. See, so what's our charge this year? To seek God completely, we have to sacrifice, we have to sit, and finally we have to surrender. We have to surrender. It's sacrificing, it's sitting, and it's, it's surrendering. So you read the entirety of, of Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, Jesus is rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. He goes on to, to cast out demons, he heals the sick. He calls the first disciples. He continues to teach. He comes to a, a man with leprosy. He heals the man, and, and Jesus bends down close to him, and he says, hey, bro, um, would you not tell anybody about this? 
And instantly, you know, if you've been healed by Jesus, a man who's been living with leprosy, we don't know how many years, he goes and tells everybody. And you pick up Jesus's story in Luke chapter five, starting in verse 15, and it says, but despite Jesus's instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. See, what were the pillars of Jesus's earthly ministry? What have we seen? He fasted, he studied God's word, and now we see he, he spent time in prayer. He came and he surrendered it all to his heavenly father saying, I, I just can't do this anymore. It's too big for me. Everything that's coming against me, see, one of our, our parts of our vision for this year is we wanna raise up leaders. We wanna train, empower, send out leaders like never before. And one thing that, that I've learned in the last 12 months is that an unhealthy pace will always lead to an unhealthy platform. Over the last 12 months, there was seasons of ministry, seasons of my leadership that I just kept going. And I got to a place where my unhealthy pace led to an unhealthy platform, not making good decisions, not being led by the Holy Spirit, having to go back to people and say, I'm really sorry. See, I think for, for those of us who are leaders and every single one of us were leaders, we're all leading something in our businesses, on our college campuses, ministries. We're leading our homes. See, I think we've got to get to this place where we live in a culture where we just keep striving. We like to drive. We, we keep grinding over and over again. We, we love to produce results. And when I say to to slow down, to surrender. Michael, but you don't know what that means. I, if, if, I, if I slow down, I may not get the promotion. If I slow down, it, it may hurt our finances. If I, if I slow down, I may not get the opportunity that, that other people, that other people get. Somebody will, will go past me in leadership. Michael looks it looks weak to withdraw. Can I tell you what I've learned? Withdrawing isn't a weakness. Withdrawing is a weapon. Withdrawing isn't a weakness. Withdrawing is a weapon. When you surrender everything to Jesus and say, I can't do it on my own. I'm surrendering everything. What happens is that the Holy Spirit comes and strengthens you. The Holy Spirit gives you divine opportunities better than you could have ever manipulated or had happened on your own. Withdrawing isn't a weakness. Withdrawing is a weapon. See, throughout the Gospels, Jesus gave up the surrounding of the people for the solitude of his Father. So Jesus withdrew he went into isolation. He went into solitude. See, Jesus did this right before he's making big decisions. You continue to read in Luke chapter six. Before he goes to, P 
pick the remaining disciples. It says in Luke 6, he prayed all night long. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was dealing with grief. Jesus didn't live an easy life. He dealt with things just like you and I do. And in Matthew chapter 22, he hears the news that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded, has been killed. And it says that that Jesus got in a boat and he went to a remote place. He needed to withdraw. He needed the comfort of, of his heavenly father. You go from the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry at the beginning of Luke to near the end of Jesus' ministry at the end of Luke. Jesus was going into the most difficult moment of his life. He knew that Judas was about to betray him. He knew that Peter was about to deny him. And what does he do? He goes to the Mount of Olives with his disciples and he he leaves them at a distance. And you pick up in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, and it says, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Can I tell you today, surrender is the solution to your suffering. Surrender is the solution to your suffering. Got marriage issues right now? Surrender. Finances that are just overtaking you, you don't know how I'm gonna ever pay all those bills? Surrender parenting issues right now. God, I don't know what else to do with my son or my daughter. Surrender. The addiction that you thought you kicked, but then you got through the holidays and it came rearing back. Surrender it. See, when we surrender, God takes our struggles and he replaces it with his strength. When you come to God and you surrender everything to him, He takes your struggles and he surrounds you with his strength. He replaces your weakness with his strength. See, some of Jesus' last teaching, when you read the Gospel of John, there's there's a passage that goes about three, four, five chapters right in a row. It's one thing after another. Three, four, five chapters that are completely in red and are completely Jesus' words. He knew that I only have a little bit of time left. I'm about to be crucified. I gotta give my my parting words, my final things for my followers, my disciples, the men and women that are coming after me. And what is Jesus? What did Jesus say is some of the most important teaching that he saved right up to the end? John chapter 15, starting in verse four through 11. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will tell you you're tired today remain in him you're overwhelmed already with the start of this brand new year you thought 2024 is going to be my year and now your motto is 2025 is going to be my year overwhelmed remain in him you're worried about whatever you're walking through right now remain in him tell somebody today, the result of remaining is refreshment. The result of remaining in Jesus is refreshment. See, when you remain in him, what does Jesus say? I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you unexplainable joy, even in the midst of sorrows. Jesus says, when you remain in me, you will become fruitful. You will be known as somebody who's led by the Spirit because of your kindness, because of your self-control, because of your patience with people, because of your love for every single person you come into contact with. He says, when we remain in him, our prayers get answered. Remain in him. See, my prayer for us in 2024 is that we wouldn't run away from God, but that we would remain in God. No matter what comes my way, God, I'm gonna trust you every single step of the way. I'm done with walking away from you. I'm done with questioning you, God. 2024 isn't going to be a year of questioning. It's going to be a year where I quiet myself before God. God, what do you want to speak to me? No longer walking away. I'm no longer thinking I know better than you, God. I'm no longer going to pause my relationship with you. I'm going to pursue my relationship with you like never before. What does it look like on the first of this month, the start of a brand new year? I want to sacrifice my time with you, Jesus. I want to sit in your presence, Lord Jesus. And I want to surrender everything to you, knowing that you are God and I am not. I'm praying for breakthrough in 2024. I'm praying for freedom in 2024. I'm praying for victory in 2024. I'm praying that chains are broken in 2024. I pray that prodigals come home in 2024. I pray that marriages are restored in 2024. And it's only through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, the best is truly 
yet to come when we surrender everything to Him. Everything. And today, if that's you, today, if you know, Michael, I want to pursue Jesus like never before. I know it's going to take sacrifice. I know it's going to take time be intentionally sitting in God's Word. And I know there's things in my life that I have to surrender to God once and for all. If that's you today, I want you to stand up today. If you know that God is calling you to pursue Him at a deeper level than ever before, we don't do it just because our spouse is doing it. We don't do it standing up just because our friend's doing it. God spits in the face of hypocrisy. He says, no, you got to be all in. Not following the rest of the crowd. You're set apart. I'm calling you to something different. I'm calling you to something deeper this year. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to get to the other side. We're going to be victorious. We're going to look back on 2024 and we're going to say it wasn't easy, but God was with me every single step of the way, time and time again. My God never failed me. I never removed myself from His presence and God never removed me from His. Dear Heavenly Father, I raise my hands and surrender to you today. As we step into a brand new year, I don't know what you have in store. But God, I know already in these first seven days of the year, the first seven days of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, Lord, you've been speaking to me. You've been showing me new things. You've been answering prayers. You've been drawing things, drawing me closer to you. You've been removing sin out of my life. You've, you've made me want to hand over everything and not pick it back up. God, I want to surrender everything to you. And Lord, I pray that's the heartbeat of our church. That's the heartbeat of this family, Lord Jesus, as we surrender everything to you. God, you're going to do more than we could ever even imagine more than we ever thought possible. It's not because we manipulate it. It's not because we've tried to do it on our own. It's not because we try to work our way around it, Lord. It's all because we sacrifice, we sit, and we surrender everything to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you in advance for the new thing you're doing in this church. I pray for every single person that's walking through a season of difficulty, a season of pain right now, Lord Jesus. I pray for a fresh and filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. I know it's not easy to walk with you, but it's always worth it. God, you keep showing up again and again and again. And I have a reminder from when I was 19 years old, God, yet you never left my side. You've been pursuing me ever since again and again. The best days of my life are not in the past. The best is still to come, God. And I say, have your way in my life. Have your way in my marriage. Have your way in my family. Have your way in my relationships. And have your way in this church, Lord Jesus. We give it all to you, and we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.